When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Governor Civics, welcome. So uh, this unit, Unit 3, is kind of broken into two sections. You got political participation and you got the legislative branch. And so the political participation has two AKS. They have 29 and 30. And so that's what this uh, podcast is going to cover uh, are those AKSs. And um, it's going to kind of be a, it's gonna be a very broad, giant overview, like looking down from 30,000 feet uh, at these things. Um, so... We'll do another one for the legislative branch, which should be AKS uh, 31, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, all right, so let's get rolling. So 29 is uh, a lot of stuff about kind of elections and uh, things like that. And there are six subsections. Um, and then 30 has, I think, four or five. Anyways, whatever. Uh, all right, so the first subsection of 29 about the elections is uh, political parties and the historical development organization role and constituencies. So historical development, uh, hopefully, you, you know, from U.S. history, uh, we have had parties and maybe not really parties, but groups that have, you know, butted heads, you know, from the time our Constitution was even being considered. You, know, you had the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists way back then. And uh, even though George Washington warned us against political parties uh, in his inaugural address, we ignored him. And we have pretty much had parties and groups throughout our <clears throat> our history, uh, from the Whigs and the Know-Nothings, uh, the, anything you can think of from U.S. history uh, to what we have today with the Republicans and the Democrats. Uh, they have been, we've, we've just, we've always had parties, it feels like. Uh, as far as their organization goes, you know, you have the national, the state, and the local levels of these, of these things. We really concentrate on the national level and what they do. Um, some of the things they could, they do, they're going to obviously play a big role in the, the platform. Uh, now we have kind of switched gears a little bit to where the, the candidate themselves really kind of dictates, you know, what the, the, what their platform is, but you can look at a democratic candidate, you can look at a Republican candidate and you can have a pretty good idea that their individual platform is going to pretty mat, pretty much match up with whatever the national level's platform is going to going to be. So you can look at either or probably. Uh, but they'll work on that. They'll develop that. They play a role in setting the rules and regulations for the, the primary elections uh, and things like that. Uh, they are going to recruit candidates. Uh, they are you know, always on the lookout for uh, up-and-coming people that can run for office uh, that would have a good chance of winning. Uh, they're going to spend money. They're going to raise money uh, for candidates. Uh, so it, it's not just one or two things that the political party does. It's not just, hey, here's a platform. Uh, that's it. Uh, they do stuff throughout the the elections. They do stuff on even when there's not an election, uh, with looking for candidates. They try and get us as voters out to vote. All right. They try and educate us um, on the issues, and you know, obviously they have some ulterior motives where they're trying to get us to vote for their candidate. But you know the stuff they put out there is information that that voters can use. 
All right. Uh, all right. The next one is the nomination process, and we have primaries and caucuses, the general elections, and the role of the Electoral College. All right. So first off, as far as uh, nomination nominations go, let's, let's stick to the presidency, okay? In 2024, uh, we will have another presidential election. Uh, the Republicans are guaranteed to have to have a primary, all right, because there's going to be multiple people that put their name in the hat for the Republican nomination to be their presidential candidate. If Joe Biden decides to run again, I don't think they'll uh, primary Joe Biden because he's the incumbent, which means he's already in office. So they're probably not going to make the president run through the primaries. So what happens is uh, all 50 states will hold many elections, okay? Uh, and uh, some states are open, some states are closed. Open means that anybody can go vote in the Republican primary. Closed mean, means only registered Republicans can go vote. Uh, pretty sure Georgia is an open state, so no matter what, you can go and vote in the Republican primary. All right, but you, when you go, <clears throat> and all of you should be eligible in 2024 to go vote, you would be looking at just Republican candidates. So you're picking the person that you want to represent the Republican Party uh, in the presidential election for November. Okay, so you have a whole list of Republicans. Uh, in 2016, uh, there was there was a bunch of people, uh, like about 20 Republicans running at one point before it started narrowing itself down. Um, most states use the primary system where it's normal. You go in, you cast a ballot, and you leave. Some states, Iowa being one of them, does something called a caucus. And that is where you go uh, on like a Saturday and you'll spend a couple of hours listening to, to people talk about their candidates, trying to convince you, hey, this is the reason you should vote for this person. And then you kind of go group with the people that you want to vote for, and they'll do a count that way. It's very time-consuming. I would not do a caucus. I would not go vote uh, if that was the case. I'm not going to give up that kind of time. Give me the primary where I just show up and I vote and I leave and that's what I, I want to do. Anyways, uh, so they will, each state will hold their election. Iowa's the first. And um, they will, the the delegates are assigned based on the states you win. All right. So <clears throat> we have an idea before we get to the national convention, who's going to be the, the candidate. Like it's, it's not going to be a big secret who wins. Uh, the states. And so you'll see, if, if, as people don't have success, if you watched the, the 2020 uh, primaries uh, when Joe Biden won the, the, the Democratic nomination, there was a bunch of people running. And, and you know, as, they had, as they had no success, people would, would drop out. Okay, Like our current vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, she dropped out pretty early because she wasn't having success uh, in the primaries. Uh, but anyways, They'll be nominated. Uh, the delegates w are kind of uh, are guaranteed, and so when they go to the national convention, uh, the the vote the delegates will know. Hey, we're voting for this person because uh, Chris Daniels won Georgia. He won Florida. He won Alabama. He won Texas. Whatever I won, I would get the delegates from that state, and they would be pledged to me at the national convention. And so as long as I have the majority. Um, that would be, you know, get me the nomination, then I'm going to be the nominee. 
And then that will lead into the general election, where then it's the Republican versus the Democrat. And that's where you'll go vote in November of 2024 uh, and cast your ballot for that uh, election. And just remember, you know, we in this country, we vote for our, our candidates, but then the Electoral College will cast the deciding vote. Now, some people argue, well, that makes my vote not important, but it does. Your vote matters very much because your candidate has to win the state in order to get the electoral votes. Georgia has 16, and as long as your candidate gets a majority, then they get all 16 of those votes. Uh, so it's, a, you know, it's very important for your vote uh, and your vote to go out and, and, and cast that ballot so that your candidate can win. We've had some very close elections here recently, so every vote matters, no matter who you're going to vote for. <clears throat> All right. The next one is some campaign funding. Uh, and so the numbers are absolutely crazy. If you go and look and research how much uh, money was spent and raised and all that kind of stuff. In 2016, Hillary Clinton, she raised over a billion dollars and spent a billion dollars. Donald Trump raised, I think it was around $800 million and spent around $800 million. In 2020, Joe Biden raised over a billion dollars. Donald Trump was around 850 to 900 million dollars. Those are crazy numbers. Okay, the amount of money that is being spent and raised in politics—it just—it absolutely blows my mind <clears throat> how much is out there. Um, and they get money from you, know, regular people. You know, uh, people sending in five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars. They also have big, huge campaign donations. To Donors from uh, businesses, interest groups, uh, all kinds of people will, um, will will donate money to the parties, to the candidates, uh, to whoever they can to get their voice. All right, and and we're going to talk about in a second how um, campaign money is a voice. Um, now they have limited or tried to limit uh, and regulate the the amount that you can donate. And, and all that kind of stuff. And so you know, people find ways around things. And so now we have things called political action committees, PACs, where, hey, I've reached my limit on how much I can donate to this candidate, uh, but I have more money. I want to give it to, to someone else. So let me give it to this group over here who will then in turn spend on the candidate that I like. So PACs and PACs can be created by almost anybody. You hear about politicians right now have PACs. Donald Trump has PACs where he is spending money on um, – uh, congressional elections and, and trying to get people uh, that he supports and that supported him uh, either reelected or, or voted into office. Um, but they are basically just a fundraising uh, organization or groups. There's a ton of PACs out there. Like I said, almost anybody can have a PAC. And they donate money to candidates, although they are limited. Okay, so you should have seen some of the limitations that are placed on PACs. <clears throat> So a lot of their money is spent on electioneering where they're going to run advertisements uh, and things like that. Now, there's super PACs, there's 527s, but we're really just going to concentrate on the, on the PACs. Um, pay attention. You know, we're in election season right now, and uh, I see commercials all the time from uh, gov for the governorship here in Georgia, for the Senate race and all that kind of stuff. Pay attention to some of the advertising. You're going to see and hear advertisements that are going to have the, the actual candidate say, hey, I'm such and such and I support this message. You're also going to hear some that say, don't say that at all. all right, those are typically going to be from the PACs because they don't have to, to, 
to go with the same standards that the the candidates do. So, but PACs are just they're they're making they they take donations and then they spend it uh, on the candidates. Whether it's direct donations, they're they're limited, but they can spend it uh, by giving directly to the candidate. But then also doing other things uh, to help the candidate by running commercials, advertising, and things like that. All right, that leads us into Citizens United. So the, the AKS has to explain how recent policy changes and Supreme Court rulings have impacted the campaign finance process using primary and signatory sources. All right, so this is uh, the one court case that comes up here is Cam, uh, Citizens United versus uh, FEC, and that's the Federal Election Commission. All right, so uh, backstory real quick. This case is from 2008, so it's not super recent to us, but it's the most recent that uh, I think. Uh, that I know of right now. So in this case, Citizens United was a nonprofit group, and they were um, looking at the Democratic primary. It was Barack Obama versus Hillary Clinton versus John Edwards, and they decided to, to make a movie. They made a movie called Hillary the Movie, and in this movie, uh, they did not make Hillary Clinton look very good. If you want to, uh, go to YouTube and search up Hillary, the movie trailer, and you can see a, a quick two minute, uh, you know, trailer for this movie. It is not very flattering for Hillary Clinton. So anyways, um, obviously Hillary Clinton and her team does not, does not want this, uh, movie to be released. And so, uh, they get, eventually get to the FEC and the FEC is going to put a stop to it and say, Hey, citizen United, you can't do this. All right, you took money from corporations. Corporations are limited on who they can give money to and how it can be spent, and you can't run this movie, so you've got to stop. So that's where the, the case comes from. And so um, to make the case as simple as possible to you, Citizens United is going to appeal that decision by the FEC, and it's going to work its way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is eventually going to agree with Citizens United. And here's the key thing. This is what you got to take from this case. If you take nothing else from this, take this. Uh, it is that the money being spent, all right, the money being donated is considered free speech. And when you limit who businesses and corporations and groups and things like that can give their money to, you're limiting their free speech. Well, guess what? We have a First Amendment called uh, the freedom of speech. And so you can't do that. It violates that First Amendment and the freedom of speech. So uh, the campaign money, the campaign donations got tied to those monies. And basically, if you can remember that now campaign donations and, and monies uh, that are given uh, like that is considered free speech. I think you'll be in pretty good shape for AKS 29D. So Citizens United versus the FEC. Um, you can check out the, the Hillary Clinton trailer if you want to. I've never watched the full movie, uh, but it's out there somewhere. And then uh, just remember that uh, the campaign finance and the campaign monies are tied to free speech. Okay. Um, media coverage, campaign advertising, public opinion polls. Uh, main thing here is to, that we're in poll season, so you're going to see all kinds of polls saying this person's leading, this person's leading. Uh, just take all the polls with a grain of salt. Uh, we really need to be sure that they are uh, scientific polls, meaning that they had a random sampling of people. Um, they... Uh, we're done with a, a good number of people. You know, if if you poll three people and say, "Hey, this is public opinion," that's not a very good poll. Uh, or if you go talk to only one side, that's not a very good poll. All right. So be careful with the polls that are out there. But the media can play a role. Uh, you know, if the the media covers really the the top dogs when it comes to the the campaign. So 
uh, that could dissuade some people from going to vote. So if I keep hearing that my person is 30% down uh, from the media, maybe I don't go vote. Or if I hear, hey, my person's up 30%, well, maybe I don't go vote because they don't need my vote. They've got all these people voting for them. So the media plays a role with their coverage. Uh, so be careful with that. Uh, all right. And then finally is um, congressional districts, apportionment, reapportionment, redistricting, and gerrymandering. So um, just quickly, every 10 years, we here in America take a census. It counts the people. Okay. Those censuses then apply or get applied to the congressional districts. And so uh, changes will be made to make sure that we are trying to, we want to represent, have representation of uh, about somewhere between eight and 900,000 people per representative. So that's on the House side. Um, so in order to make that happen, we sometimes have to redistrict. So the census leads to to redistricting, and also reapportionment. Now, reapportionment is the numbers. So right now, Georgia has 14 House seats. That means we have 14 districts. Had Georgia gained a seat in the House of the 435 total, we might have went to 15. We didn't, so we're, we're sticking with, with 14. Now, Florida gained a seat, so they went from, I think, 27 to 28. Texas gained a seat. Uh, I think Arizona might have gained a seat. So if they're gaining seats then other places are losing seats, all right? So there's 435 total seats in the, in the House of Representatives, and those numbers are based on populations of the states, all right? As the numbers shift and as people move from places uh, like Ohio, you know, then Ohio loses seats in other states. Florida, for example, gains a seat. I really thought Georgia would gain one because we are, we, we, we have a, a pretty big population, but obviously I was wrong because uh, we didn't gain a seat. Um, so that's reapportionment. And then we have the redistricting. Even though we did not gain a seat or lose a seat and we stuck with 14 districts, our populations did shift here in Georgia. So we had to redistrict. So we had to redraw the lines. Okay. That can lead to the gerrymandering. Now, gerrymandering is legal. It can happen. People want to say, well, that's not, that's not fair. It's not legal. But it is. It's something that can happen. It has to be challenged, though. Okay, so if there's a, a line that's redrawn that's not fair, uh, it, it, you have to challenge it in order for it to, to go away. Uh, anyways, so the state legislatures, remember that it is the state legislatures that redraw the lines. And so it's, it's important to know that because the party in charge gets to draw the lines for the next 10 years. And so they can really take advantage of that and draw lines that are going to benefit them. And when you are unfairly drawing the district lines to give yourself an advantage, uh, that is called gerrymandering. And so that's what gerrymandering is, uh, is where you are redrawing those lines to give yourself an unfair advantage sometimes. Now, once again, it can happen. Um, however, the lines nowadays can be challenged. Uh, Georgia redrew. I have not looked at a new map, and you can't see a new map anyways if I had one to show you on this podcast. But uh, go look. Take a look and see what the changes were. Uh, I think that they were probably being challenged. I have not seen or heard, though. Uh, it seems like we live in times where everything is going to be challenged, and so I'm sure that those would be. Uh, but anyways, so a lot of stuff is in this AKS, 29F. You've got reapportionment, you've got uh, redistricting, and then gerrymandering. Remember, the census happens, okay, and that's going to take 
the 435 seats and then reapportion those based on the new population numbers. Some states will gain seats from the 435. Some states will lose seats. All right. If a seat, if a state gains a seat, then another state had to lose. Uh, based on the numbers, every state has the option to redistrict. Some have to. If you gain a seat, you have to redistrict because you, now you have, uh, you know, if Georgia had gained a seat, we'd be at 15 districts. Well, we only have 14 now, so we'd have to redistrict. Uh, other states that don't, like Georgia, we did not gain a seat, but we did redistrict because we have new population numbers. All right. All right. Last little bit here is number 30. Uh, and 30 is about participation in civic life. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, first off is to describe how why citizens are required by law to pay taxes, serve on a jury, and register for military duty. Um, so, you know, we, it, it's part of our civic duty. Uh, and that's what this whole thing is about, and that's taking part. You know, remember, most of us are not going to run for office. Like, I will never, ever run for office. I have no desire to have that kind of responsibility on me. But there are other ways for me to be a citizen, and some of those is what's listed in the AKS. You know, pay taxes, serve on a jury, register for military duty, uh, go vote. You know, some of those things are required. Others are choice. Um you know, you have to pay taxes. There's, there's not, the IRS keeps up. The IRS is going to, um, they will always know about your taxes. So be careful there. Uh, you get called for jury duty. You're supposed to go. Um, they, you know, and this is a serious offense if you don't go. Um, when I moved from Florida up here, the week before I moved, I was supposed to go serve on a jury. I called them up and I said, Hey, look, I'm moving. I'm not going to be in town. I'm not coming to jury duty. What's the worst that could happen? And they told me they could put a warrant out for my arrest. Now, luckily, they chose not to um, because, you know, that would be pretty bad for me uh, if I had had that because I've been pulled over many times because I drive pretty aggressively. And, um, uh, you know, I've never been taken to jail. So that's, that's a good thing. Anyways, what I'm trying to get at is they can go as far as to arrest you if you don't serve on and do your jury duty. All righty. Uh, and then registering for military duty when you turn 18, you're supposed to, to, to register. Uh, the next thing is uh, how do citizens voluntarily and responsibly participate in the political process. And the big way is by voting. That is the number one way any of us will uh, take part in the political process is by voting. Uh, we, that's just what we do, okay? Uh, like I said, I'm never going to run for office. You can if you want to when you get to be 25. Uh, you can run for the House of Representatives, you know, uh, and you can do that. Um, but... Most people aren't going to because we just most people don't want that kind of that kind of responsibility. Uh, last two things are the uh, history of the Pledge of Allegiance and then uh, how to um, become a citizen. So those are the last two AKS. Um, so it was written in 1892 and. Uh, it was created to kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, unite or uh, something along those lines, the, the country. Um, in 1954, Congress added the words under God to, to kind of undermine the, the communist threat. Um, The hand over the heart came later. Um, 
and they did the hand over the heart because of the uh, the Nazi salute back in World War II. So they were concerned that it would look too much like like that. So they um, are going to to add the. To, that's why they. That's why you have your hand over your heart uh, on this thing. So. Um, I'm not sure what kind of question will be asked about the Pledge of Allegiance uh, on a test or a CFA, uh, but just be aware you do need to know a few things about the Pledge, okay? Uh, and then finally, the requirements to become a citizen of the United States. Uh, and so you have two things. You can either uh, be born here or uh, there is a naturalization process, okay? Uh, and in order to do that, you have to be 18 or older, all right? Uh, you have to have authorization to live and work in the U.S. on a permanent basis, and you have to have five years. Uh, you can also marry a U.S. citizen, and you also have to have continuous residence in the U.S. for at least five years uh, and be physically present in the U.S. for at least half that time. Um, it says you must be able to read, write, and speak basic English. You must have a knowledge and understanding of the fundamentals of U.S. history and government, so you have to take a test. Uh, must be a person of good moral character. And you have to take a loyalty oath to the United States Constitution and the government. Once again, I don't know what kind of question they're going to ask on the test, but those are the requirements um, to be uh, to become a naturalized citizen. All right, guys, uh, that went a lot longer than I meant for it to, and I apologize if you listened to this whole thing and made it. Uh, very sorry that you had to listen to that, uh, but I did want you to get as much information as possible. All right, if you need anything, if you have questions or concerns, always, if you're in my class, you can... Uh, text me on the talking points. You can email me. Uh, if you're not in this class, uh, then you can connect with me on social media, uh, Twitter, chhsgov underscore civics. Same thing on Instagram, chhsgov underscore civics. And I'll be happy to respond to you uh, if you have questions or concerns. All right, guys, best of luck on any tests or quizzes that you have. And uh, I'll see you in class. Bye-bye.